Hi, everybody. It's Jamie Grogan with Solutions for Solopreneurs. We are continuing our series, Journey to Entrepreneurship. And today we have a very special guest, and I'm going to let her introduce herself in a minute. Um, as you know, if you've been listening or watching this series, it's all about representation and you seeing yourself in my guests. So in other words, I want you to see that no matter where you are in your life, no matter what race, no matter what socioeconomic status, no matter anything that you're dealing with within your life right now, you can start a business. You can launch a side hustle. You can get on that passion project and make it work and change your life. Demisha, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Demasha Beavers, um, owner and founder of Zip Mouth Motivation. Um, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk to everyone, tell my story. We might cry today. We might laugh. We, we're probably going to do all of it. We're probably going to do all of it. <laughs> Always. So you can look me up on um, Facebook, Zip Mouth Motivation, podcast, Zip Mouth Motivation. The name doesn't change. There's a private group on Facebook, Zip Mouth Motivation. Um, you can just submit. I add everyone. We keep it positive, encouraging, loving. Everybody is welcome to post. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your business itself. What what does that entail? So my business started off as podcasting. Only podcasting. I wanted to get my name out there. I wanted people to see me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You know, like I wanted to get used to that. So I started um, the podcast and I started doing quotes, my own personal quotes. I would put them on the quote thing and I post them everywhere. You know? <laughs> I love it. I knew I wanted to do life coaching, but I know what, uh, what crowd I wanted to attract. So it was important for me just to let them know, like, I'm here, I'm coming, right. open the door for me, you know? And so I started the life coach business like about three months ago. It's been a three year process process though it's been a three-year process I've been doing the podcast for a year and honestly it took me probably a year to work up the courage to do the podcast I'm an introvert I don't talk much but I'm telling you this podcast has brought a different person out of me and so with that I'm entering into the life coaching and I'm excited about that I'm very excited about that yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so before we get into the <clears throat> kind of the nitty gritty, um, how do you right now, how do you bring in revenue? Because that's what people are thinking right now. They're like, right. okay, that all sounds wonderful, but how are you paying the bills? <laughs> oh, honey. Well, currently, I'm a case manager. I work for Head Start. So um, that's how I bring my revenue in right now. Right now, because I don't get paid a lot, you know, from podcasting. You have your, you know, your sponsors, but it's not a lot of money. Right. And so right now I have only one client with the um, life coach. And that's cool, you know. Amazing. But it's going to build. You know, it's going to build. So right now my main source of income is I'm a case manager for Head Start. I love children, so. That's awesome. See, and that's one of the things that I want people to understand is that you have a full-time job, right? Yes, ma'am. And you have how many children? I have two boys. <laughs> and how old are they? They are nine and 12. Okay. So you got enough on your plate with just that. Okay. Right? <laughs> you got enough on your plate. And you said it took you 
it was a three-year process. So during that three years, what were you doing? Oh, my goodness. Okay. During that three years, my children and I'm a single mom. My children and I moved to Alabama. Okay. So we got, and I was in an abusive relationship, and I had to leave fast. I had to leave, like, I had to go in the middle of the night, leave. Yep. So yep. I packed my children up in my little Malibu. <laughs> I le- hold on now. I left all my clothes and brought all their clothes. I got there. I didn't have nothing. <laughs> I didn't have nothing. When I say nothing, nothing. My kids had stuff though, and that, that's right. all that mattered. Right. So we, we lived with family. You know, we lived with family there. I gave myself a six month goal. I said, in six months, I'm going to have my own place. And I found a job right away when I went there. It was at Subway. Wow. And it was I don't care. It was at Subway at a gas station. I worked at Subway. This guy came in one day and he was just talking to me, talking to me. And he was like, oh, you know, like, where are you from? I'm telling him. And I'm telling him, you know, like I went to um, what schools I went to. And he was like, oh, you're a college grad. Well, what kind of work you did before? I said, well, I worked for Head Start for many years. And he said, that's great. He said, well, what kind of degrees you got again? I told him. He said, hey, I work at this assistant living facility for disabled people. You can come and apply. We're looking for a supervisor. What? See? So <laughs> that next day I went there. They gave me the job on the spot. I took the drug test and everything that same day. I started that weekend. And so I went from Subway to working at this other job. I went from Subway making $8 an hour to working at a different job as a supervisor making $16 an hour. Wow. And so this whole time, though, I'm still afraid because, like I said, I had to leave in a hurry to go to a different place. Um, I'm still afraid, you know, like that person is going to be looking for me or some backlash from that. So, you know, like I'm just praying, like hoping, like, okay, everything's going to calm down. He's going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. Well, during that process, someone told me that they had housing available. So I said, okay, well, let me go and apply. I'm not from here. They, you know, like I don't have anything. I go apply. It's it's like um like the project. It's the project, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. My kids somewhere to live, you know. So they told me, hey, you can stay here. Your rent will be twelve dollars a month. What? <laughs> all you gotta do is bring your kids' birth certificate, shop records, and you have to bring all your information. And I was like, what? I never paid rent at <laughs> and so she said you have to bring your check stubs and so I brought my check stubs from the the um subway well anyway girl I didn't have a check from the other place so I was telling her like well I you know I wanted to be honest I said I, I work at this place now I said so I can bring a print out of something of like how much I get paid she said oh don't worry about it she said we'll just go by your subway income for the first year I was, let me tell you, let me tell you. Thank you, God. Yes, girl, yes. So during that, during that process, I forgot to tell you, I was getting my master's degree. I was doing online courses at Ashford University. During this whole process, during the move and everything, I was at Ashford University. So I was kind of falling behind in my classes because I was going through so much. Right. I got the boys settled in. We got settled in the place. And so then I contacted my teachers and I kind of just gave them the spiel like of what was happening in my life, what happened. 
all of my teachers said, we'll give you 30 days to catch up. They only gave me 30 days to catch up. Now, this is a master's program, so you know the work is, the workload is heavy. But, and I'm about to cry, but I'm so thankful that in 30 days, I had completed everything that I needed to complete. Everything. So, in 2017, I graduated with my master's degree in education. Um, it was an exciting moment. It really was. It was like empowering for me. It was empowering for my boys because when you go to school, your kids go to school with you, you know, like even though people don't think they do, but they do because they feel that pressure that you're feeling, you're lacking a little bit of time, even though you're trying to balance it, it's hard to balance, you know, like school work, kids work. It's hard to do that as a single parent, but it's doable and I got it done. And so we stayed in Alabama, um, the boys and I, they started doing good playing sports. So now I become team sport mom, college student, full-time worker, and just a, being a parent is a 24-hour job, you know, when you're a single mom. Yes, um, boys. Yes, with boys. And so I was like, okay, what? You know, like, this is, it's starting to balance. So I stayed in the um, apartment, the project for probably like seven months. Seven months I stayed there. My cousin, she said, my mom's neighbor moved out and they have a house in Montgomery. The guy's only going to charge $5.50 a month for the, for the place. It was a three-bedroom, big backyard, big front yard, nice kitchen. She said, you're only going to charge $5.50. I know the guy. He's only going to charge you $5.50 if you want to move there because I know the area you live is not safe. Right. So I go, and I see the guy. I look at the house. Everything's nice. And I'm saying, are you sure you're going to charge me? I'm from Florida. Right. There's nothing here for $5.50, okay? <laughs> nothing here for $5.50. So I go. He said, yeah. He said, well, what do you want to do? You want to move in or you don't want to move in? I said, well, I do. I said, well, I have to wait because I'm waiting on my school money. You know, I said, I get a little back and I'll be able to give you, you know, the first month last and security. He says, oh, I'm not charging that. You just give me the first month rent and you and your boys can just move in here. Girl. Wow. When I tell you, like, God has been so amazing in my life, you know, and even though, um, I've had struggles and I've had struggles, especially in dating, you know, like all of that stuff. Right. God has been so faithful when it comes to the boys and I. Yeah. And so we moved in there and everything's going good. Now, this is my life. I'm about to break it down for y'all. This is my life. Everything's going good. We're excited. The boys are doing good. We're doing sports. We're just enjoying life. I've graduated. I'm done with school. We're moving forward. Right. Living life, and then boom, here comes another tragedy. My ex-husband wants full custody of my children, has not paid no child support, no nothing. I've been taking care of. I'm not a complainer. I haven't been like one of those. I'm still bringing the kids back and forth to Florida to visit. I'm still doing everything that I could possibly do, you know, to make sure we have a good relationship with our kids and that we're solid, you know, and I'm not complaining about you saying you don't have money and you can't do this, you can't do that. And girl, it almost killed me for me to read those letters and to just to see those things and just to hear the, the things as, you know, like, with the, you can't, I can't give the whole background story right now, but if you only knew 
if you only knew is what I can say, what I've done in his life and how I was in his life, 12 years, you know, if you only, and so I had to pack my kids up, come back to Florida because now we have to fight this case and I can't keep driving back and forth from Alabama to here. And so for my children, it it was very hard. You know, I kind of calm them down a little bit. They get a little frustrated still, but it was very hard because they had to leave their friends. They had to leave things that they love, a place that they love. Right. You know, but through it all, I was still planning to do zip mouth motivation. I was still planning to do this. And I knew it was a distraction. I just had to grab myself, like grab my own self and say, okay, this is a distraction. Yeah. By this, you still have to do what God wants you to do. That's right, yeah. And so we came, we started fighting. I have to get a lawyer. We're still fighting. We're still fighting about this. But um, I had to get a lawyer. I had to get evidence, all of this stuff. Yeah. It was one night in the middle of the night. God woke me up and God said, You need to do what I told you to do. And I started the podcast. I was scared. I started my first episode. I sent it to all my friends. I was like, what y'all think? What y'all think? They was like, girl, that's excited. <laughs> and they was like, we told you. We know, you know, like, we know you. This is what you should be doing. I said, okay. So I started writing a business plan. I said, okay, I'm going to start with this podcast. And then I'm going to do life coach. And then I'm going to do something for the youth once I get the life coach going good, you know. And so that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. And as you can see, it's still heart-wrenching, and it's so much. I, we don't have a whole hour, five, ten days. You know, you have to bring me back one day, and we have to just tell story by story. Yes. So yes. Time, I've written a book that I'm waiting. I'm, I'm having someone edit for me. Yay! It's called Building on the Wrong Foundation, so it's about my life. Yep. And um, I do poetry. Um, I do quotes, and I usually put them on Facebook, or I put them on Pinterest and things like that. Um, I have the Zip Mouse Motivation, all of this stuff, girl, all of this stuff in the midst of a storm. Right. And I tell you, right. you know that you're blessed and you're doing what you're supposed to do when the storms come, when they come, yeah. because you know, like, I'm moving in that direction. Yes. I'm moving in the direction. And even though you feel that, just that, oh, you know, like that pounding, like, on your heart, on your mind, you feel like I'm not going to be able to make it. You take a break. Yep. You put yourself together and you move forward. Yeah. Move forward. That's, so that's where I am. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing because <clears throat> one of the things that I always say on this podcast, and I know everybody that's that's a um, an avid listener is going to roll their eyes when I say this, but you're going to have shit happen. Storms are going to happen. Life's going to throw things at you. That's just the way it is. It's nothing. There's no cakewalk. I'm sorry. There's just not. And if you think it's going to be easy, then you're fooling yourself. Right. And so you're going to have those bad days. Right. And I still have those bad days. Oh, girl. (laughs) I still have those bad days. Right. But, but what I've learned is that I, you just can't unpack and live there. Right. That's the difference. You can you can sit and have your pity party. You can stomp your feet. You can you know eat a tub of ice cream. Whatever you need to do, but you right. just get back up and keep moving. And right. when you're in a particularly bad stretch when you are you know feeling like 
the weight of the world is on you. What I did was, because it just happened to me three weeks ago, maybe four weeks now, where I went through a couple weeks where I was just, you know, nothing in my business was working. Um, I was so stressed about money. And I kept thinking to myself, now I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Why isn't shit working? What the hell? I was like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing everything that everybody says you're supposed to do. Being consistent, you know, reaching out to people, um, you know, multiple streams of income. I'm doing all of that, but I'm still not making enough money to survive. Right. Right. But I had got away from what was actually working. Hmm. I got distracted by all of the things that I, the back end, you know what I mean? The right, right, right. And I let that bog me down instead of like Steve Harvey said, when you feel like you've been buried, when you feel like you've been, you know, put underground, you know, you're, you've been buried and you think, right, right. think that soil that's helping you grow. Right. And not helping you, you know, not keeping you from um, shining. So, okay, so I, I got to go back to a couple of things that you said because it was all like hearing my, because I, I left an abusive relationship as well. Um, it's been 2000, 2000 is when I left him. Um, and I drove across country with my temporary restraining order um, to go home. Little did I know that that temporary restraining order is only valid in the state that it's issued. Right, right. So when I got to California, I was arrested for parental kidnapping. Oh, girl, we got the same story, don't we? <laughs> oh my and wait, and then they gave him full custody. Wow. And it took me nine years, nine years to get back custody. Wow. So for nine years, I saw my girls every other weekend. Wow. Yep. Oh, my daughters are 24 and 26 now. Right. Um, and seeing, like, literally seeing manifested in your children the trials that they went through. Oh, girl. It's like something ripped your heart out, took it and twisted it, put it back in and took it out and set it on fire. Right. It's no pain like watching your child be in the pain. It's no pain like that. And not being able to do anything about it. Right. And you just you know? have to, right. You just right. have and, and one of the things that I really appreciate about your story is the fact that you, you didn't hide. Right. You know, if you hadn't been open to that guy in the gas station, to answering his questions, to, you know, living your life out loud, if you had not been open to that, you wouldn't have had the opportunities that you had, you know? And I say all the time, ain't no shame in my game. You can ask me anything. I'm going to, you want to know if this is a wig? Yes, it's a wig. (laughs) And... And like, <laughs> what next? What next? Okay, so you know it's a wig, so what are we gonna do about it? Because I'm still gonna wear my wig. So, 
You are so right. It's like no shame in my game. You can ask me anything and I'm going to tell you the honest to God truth. But don't ask me a question if you don't want to hear the answer. Exactly. Exactly. If you don't want to hear the truth, let's not even talk about it. We won't even go there. Right. Don't even go there. And I feel like in the African-American community, there is too much hiding. There is too much, I'm okay. I'm, I, I don't need help. I'm not vulnerable. I'm not weak. I'm not, um, I'm not less than, right? Right, right, right. But for me, I think of counseling and I think of, I was talking to my, one of my guests um, last week about this, about realizing that you do not have all of the tools you need to be successful in life. Thank you. It's exactly. impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible for you, one person, one. <laughs> to have, you need help. You right. can't build a house all by yourself. Exactly. I don't care how you, you know, you can't do it. Right. You can't build a roof. You can't build the sides of a house all by yourself. Right. Right. You, you need a team. Help. You need help. And not only do you need help, you need to have the openness to listen to oh, That's important. That's the most important thing because you know we don't like to listen. Because we know it all. No, we know we know everything. And my mother to this day she'll say, I can't believe you telling somebody your business. And I'm like, she be paid to not only listen to my business, but to tell me, okay, Jamie, you being extra right now. <laughs> know your role. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. Pineapples. We don't <laughs> right. I mean, when I the day I gave notice at my job, because I was being bullied and harassed at my last job. And that's what I was like, you know, sitting in my car crying every freaking day before I go into this office, you know, and the day I gave my notice, I said to myself, I'm either going to need bail money today, or I'm going to need to put in my notice. One of those two things is going to happen. I'm either going to slap the hell out of this lady. Right. And need bail money, or I'm gonna go in there and give my notice. Well, I'm glad you gave your notice because see, we would have to do this from behind bars. You know, we can't do that from behind. We can't do this from behind bars. So I'm glad you went ahead and you gave the notice. That was important. <laughs> that was don't slap nobody. <laughs> I tell you, my therapist, she talked me off the ledge. I don't even know how many times. She was like, "Okay, listen." <laughs> Like, come on now, pull it together, sister. I need you to come with me. You on the other side? Come back. <laughs> she was like, she was like, remember we talked about this. She must have some, you know, she must be very unhappy in her life, you know, to treat you like, and I, you know, and of course you're like, I don't give a rat. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about. Well, I'm telling you what's going to make me happy. If I go ahead and slap her, I will be happy. Oh, I'm gonna feel so good. <laughs> Until I got to make that phone call and be like, so, um. <laughs> like, who got the money now? Because I got to get out of here. So, well, I don't want to spend two nights. <laughs> right. And so that's one of the things with our culture um, is we go from zero to 60 in, you know, 0.2 seconds. 
we don't process. We don't. Don't process. don't process. I talk about this a lot in my group, in my Zip My Motivation group. I talk about the process and the mindset. And so something happens and we react. Yes. You know, like we don't take that time to kind of like think, well, you know, it, it could be something as simple as you get into a car accident. Mm -hmm. So you get into a car accident, you, you hop out the car and you all of a sudden you want to yell at the person who hit you in the back. Right. You know what I'm saying? You don't sit there for a minute, calm yourself, and then get out like, let me look at these damages. Let me see. We just don't process. And I don't know why our people, why we don't process. And it bothers me. And so it's like we have to get our minds to a place where we think instead of react. But we have been taught to react. Because think about it. When you were a child, I know my mama told me, somebody hit you, you hit them back. That's right. That's you know right. what I'm saying? You stand could, up for yourself. Yeah, you stand up for yourself. So we're not taught to think like, okay, maybe this person did not mean to do it, or maybe they were focused on something else and they accidentally threw that paper ball and hit me in the back of the head. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or maybe if I hit this person back, I'm going to get suspended. I know my mama told me to do that, but I'm trying right. to, because if I get suspended, I'm going to be in trouble too, you know? Right. So, right. you know, like we're not, we haven't been taught. And I think like having an education and us teaching each other like, like you said, we need each other. We have to teach each other. We have to teach each other how to sing, how to focus, how to process. We need those things. Yes. You know, and I talk about it, and I know people get tired of it in my group, but I talk about it because I see it. So, yes. I see it so much. It's like we know the right thing to do, but for whatever reason, we go wrong. Right. And I don't know why we yeah. do that, why yeah. we do that. One of the things that I've learned about myself and learning, like, really looking back, especially at my mother, right? Mm -hmm. um, so my mom and my oldest daughter could be the same person. So when I say I had the privilege of raising my mother, wow. that is a 100% realization for me. Right. To be able to see that my daughter came here that way. Wow. She came here that way. That's who she is. Right. It gave me a lot of peace with my childhood and my mother. Right. 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 So my mom, listen, I I would rather deal with a pack of pit bulls hmm. than my mother. Mama. <laughs> we got this. I'm still scared of my mama. <laughs> Pit bulls, right. mad as hell. I would rather deal with them than than deal with my mother when I was little. And so, whenever you know situations happened, and I knew I was in the right, and people would be like, "I'm gonna call your mother," I'd be like, "Go ahead, you gonna be the one. Sorry, not me." Right. Go ahead right. and call that crazy woman. We used to call her the Wrath of Khan. Me and my my brothers, <laughs> we call her the Wrath. Because that woman, she knew how to get angry and scare an entire room of men. Oh, we got the same mama, so I understand. I understand. It go from, hey, you better get that. To, I'm like, whoa, yes. wait a minute. Yes. <laughs> yes. And my mother's the oldest of 10. Oh, man. My mother's the oldest of six. See? So. She, she's been, she's been, my mother used to say, I've been pissed off since my <laughs> my, my first sister was born. <laughs> she's, oh, Lord, she's still mad. Three, <laughs> three, 
Oh my goodness, she's been mad since then. She's been mad since she was three years old. So, So when I look at her life through the eyes of what I've witnessed with my daughter, Mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense, right? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. she was never, like, it's it's so mind-boggling how you can you can be so broken mm-hmm. and still function right and it's not easy it's not but that's why you go from 0 to 60 in 0.2 seconds because exactly. because you're broken and so you're barely limping along you know you got one leg and somebody kicks that one leg out from under you, you're going to get pissed off and it's not going to take much. Right, right, right. So, so as African-American women, as these pillars, because we are the foundation right. of, of family. We right. really are, right? Right, right. And, and I know that there's a lot of, um, you know, the like Diary of a Mad Black Woman. You know, mm-hmm. and you think about that whole story and, you know, yes, she, you know, the, the, where the, it started, where the story started was, you know, she was in a, in an abusive relationship, you know, and, mm-hmm. but that's where it, that's where the story started in the movie, right? right? Right. If you think about it, we have been mistreated and in an abusive relationship since we were brought here in chains okay exactly so it's all we know (laughs) so it's all we know my my grandmother and i'm not sure where it is now because my grandmother's passed but she used to tell this story about her grandmother and i I think she had 13 or 14 kids Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but she only raised six And she told this story about being in the fields, giving birth, tying off the the umbilical cord. There was a trough that was dug. And you literally rip off a part of your dress, wrap the baby in it, and put the baby in the trough. And there was a specific person that would come around and nurse the babies. Wow. Right? But if it rained, most of the babies would die. Most of them right. would drown. Right. So, so you're off in the field. You had your baby four hours ago, mm-hmm. and you hear that baby crying. Right. And it's pouring rain, and you gotta continue to pick <laughs> fucking cotton. Mm. That's in our DNA. Right. Right. That's in us. We can't we can't control that. That's in our DNA. Imagine I don't know if you ever lost a child before, but I have. I had to bury one of my children, my daughter. And you know, like even now sometimes I can still hear her little cry. You know what I mean? So I can imagine how those women feel. It's in our DNA. And so we've been so battered, so beat up, so this and so that. And it's like we have we do have a hard time getting past that. We really yes. do yes. have a hard time getting past that. But the thing about it is we have to know that we need each other 
Not just like I need this person to help me build this business. No, I need you to just be a good friend to me, not a jealous friend, not an envious friend. I just need to be able to come to you and cry and talk to you confidently and let you know what's going on. Because sometimes when you're talking to people, you heal, you know, and and our people, we're so afraid to heal with each other because of the things that we've gone through. You know, bad relationships, jealousy, especially with women, especially with yes. black women. We yes. might as well say, it, girl. Yes. Like when you see some some sisters, they see you rise, they want to tear you down. Yep. You know what I'm saying? For no reason yep. at all, because your eyes are bigger and you got a little bit more makeup. Well, guess what? I got makeup and I got dreads and whatever. But you're beautiful and you're my sister. You know what I'm saying? And that's all that matters. But if we have, if we're gonna get out of this place. We have to learn that we have to control our mind, our mindset, and know that, yes, we're battling. We're going to probably battle for the rest of our lives. Yep. But it can't stop you. Right. I post on my page a lot, be unstoppable. Yeah. Be unstoppable. Get, unstoppable. Get to a place in your life where it doesn't matter what people think about you. That's right. It doesn't, you're going to get it going to get the education that you need and I'm not just talking about education is just not for school because I realize a lot of people say school is not for me you know I love school I'm a different person right. but if it's not there's still other education out there you can still get with your sisters and you can talk to them you can still get with a brother and you can talk to them you can still get with someone else and just talk to them it doesn't matter that's right trying to pick their brain I had a college professor that used to say you need to know a little bit about everything in the world right. Right. So that you can carry on a conversation or so that you can open your life to something different. Right. Right. And that was when I got my bachelor's degree. Yeah. It impacted my life up until now. And I'm about to be 40 soon. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so it impacted my life. So I totally like, wow, that that story is amazing. That's going to stick with me. Yeah. It stuck with me. And I was like, nine I think when she first told me that story and I can remember sitting in um in this just in this couch and feeling so small I can remember that feeling of holy shit I can't even imagine what that was like and that's that's in our DNA but one of the things that you said that I really want to make sure that I hammer on knowing a little bit about everything that starts with curiosity not thinking you already know everything (laughs) sit your ass down and shut your mouth as my mother would say is it my mama too (laughs) she would have a few more choice words in front of that so (laughs) yeah yeah i I cleaned that up quite a bit actually um (laughs) so so the curiosity has to be there be open to being curious to saying "Ooh, tell me more about that right or what was that like right and don't just wait for your turn to talk oh i think listen Oh, girl, I don't know if we got enough time. I think that a lot of people are curious. Yes. But I think that they battle with themselves so much in the inside that they're afraid to ask a question because right. they don't want to look stupid. Right. They don't want to look uneducated. Right. You know, I'm from the hood. You yeah. know, like, I, I'm from the hood. 
<laughs> I'm from High Point in, in Florida. If anybody know what that's like, you know, it's a lot of stuff going. I'm from Largo, you know, like, but it's nothing stupid. If you don't know, you just don't know. Right. And, and I teach my children this. I say, if a person judges you off of something that you don't know, and you really want the answer you're asking them, then they're not your real friend. Right. Because your friend or somebody who cares about you, they're going to want you to know what they know, you right. know? Like, right. I want you to know what I know. I want to know what you know. You know, that's how it goes. Exactly. People we, I was just going to say, think of it as sharing. It's not taking. It's sharing. It's sharing. Because there's a difference now. Because right. some people take what they call, what they say, crabs in a bucket. Right. That's taking. That's, that's, that's a whole bunch of taking. I like crabs, but hey, you know, there's a bunch of taking going on there. Nobody's sharing anything. Everybody for themselves because they don't want to go in that hot water. Right. Right. We got to learn from each other. Yes. We have to. Yeah. And I need, you know, like our sisters need to know, like, like you said, we are the foundation. We're the beginning. We are. men, but if our men are tore down because right. we know the men tore down, right? The children are tore down. We are the only ones that are able to listen to our babies cry. Yeah. While we still pick cotton. Right. Because the men, they're running, they're getting emotional, they're right. getting frustrated. You know, like all of that stuff. We are the only ones that are strong enough to do that. Right. And if we, <clears throat> if we as you know, first as women and then as African-American women, mm -hmm. if we are able to be strong ourselves, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because after my, you know, divorce and horrible custody battle, I was, my mind was broken. My, my mind was, I can keep going for my kids, but mm -hmm. that only lasts for so long. Exactly. You gotta do it for yourself. Exactly. You have to. You can't give away what you don't have. Oh. Oh my goodness. I will say a man taught me this. He taught me this. And I remember when I was going I was getting ready to go through the divorce and um I was explaining to him, I said, Listen, I can't stay with someone who put a gun to my head. You know, mm -hmm. like I can't Right. Like I know but, you know, you have to be able to leave in a way so that it doesn't seem aggressive. And I told him, I just want to go. You know, like, and he taught me how to process. I said, I just want to go, or I want him to go. I can't, I can't do this. Right. He said, let me tell you something, Demasha. He said, you can do this. You can focus on this thing. He, and then I went from, I'm leaving. Hold on now. I went from, I'm leaving, to I'm going to stay because of the kids. And he said, you cannot stay because of no kids yep. because at the end of the day if you're not healthy how are you going to teach them to be healthy there is no way you can do that and as women like you said we have to be women first and then african-american women we have to get that woman healthy and then we got to hold on to who we are nothing if you don't do something for yourself and i know it sounds selfish to some people but if you don't do something for you first you yourself nobody else i'm doing this for me i love my kids i love my kids to death but i'm doing this for me because i want them to have a display of someone that's healthy that's understanding that's open and i teach them to be that way but if i'm not that way how am i going to you know we grew up with it as i say not as i do you know listen <laughs> oh and that that is 100% the truth. 
know, um, and I, I too stayed for the kids. I did. I stayed for the kids, you know, and it wasn't until that night that I knew that he was going to kill me. Wow. I could see it in his eyes as he was choking the life out of me. Oh. I, I knew that he was going to kill me. And it's, and you know, it, it, it's a whole different person. You know, we had been together, um, almost eight years at that point. Wow. And for me, you know, he's he, he, white guy, he's got blue eyes. Um, and his eyes were black. Wow. And he was looking at me like, and I'm like, I don't even know who that, what that is, first of all, because I'm what? a human. Um, but the anger and the just, you know, visceral hatred that was just emanating from him at that moment, you know, that's when I was like, okay, so he's, he's going to kill me. <laughs> right. right. That's how you felt. Like you felt that in the inside. Like it's God, yes. Yeah. Right. And, and I was like, if not at this moment, eventually he's mm -hmm. going to kill me, you right. know? So that's why, um, like you said, I had to leave. I, you know, I was like, mm -mm. you know, so when you have those, you know, those realizations and you're, you're thinking to yourself, okay, the, the hard part is getting away. Yes. That's not yes. the hard part, in my opinion. The mental is the hardest part. That's the, the hardest part. You can get away, but you're still there. Exactly. You're still a prisoner. Oh, my gosh. You're still there. I don't care what nobody says. You're still there. I've been in three abusive relationships. Oh, I've been with men that are narcissists. It took me. I've been single probably for the last. Oh, my. We ain't going to talk about that right now. <laughs> I've been single for a while. Okay. I've had, like, you know, little things going on, but nothing serious. Right. But. It's been a while for me to condition my mind to not automatically think that someone is abusive because they raise their voice or right. they talk strongly. I grew up in a house with a man, so I know how a man talks. I know how a man treats a woman. I've never seen my mom abused. My mom is crazy. Right. She does not get abused, you know? Right. So I, I didn't see those things, but for whatever reason, I picked those ways. Yeah. But my mental... It's hard to leave. And I know, you know, I hate when people say, oh, it's easy to leave someone abused. It's not. No, it's because not. an abused woman will go back two or three times. We don't just start getting abused the first year. We right. start getting abused in the dating process. Right. Then it goes from the dating process to in whatever relationship you're in. That's years on top of years. It's like belly fat, girl. It takes forever to get that fat belly, and it takes forever to get rid of it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm being serious here. Right? Like, and people are like, one sit up. Why the hell is it not, don't I have yeah, abs? Come on. You got your waist trainer on. It's serious. Like, you kind of, you, people say, oh, it's easy to leave an abusive relationship. You just leave. Yes, you just leave. You can just walk out the door when they go to work, pack up all your stuff, leave like I left in the middle of the night. But it's that mindset. It is. It's what happens when you see that person. It's what happens when my ex-husband, he put a gun to my head. My whole family was in the house. My mom, my sister, everybody was in the house. They were asleep. So had he killed me, he would have killed everybody in the house. He would have had to. Right. So the emotional behind that, you know what I'm saying? And for people to say, oh, well, that's not that serious. Oh, he was drinking. It was a hard yeah. thing. You know, wait a minute now. Yeah. I could never sleep easy being yeah. in that relationship. The relationship I had to run with. 
this man, from the time we were together, I knew I shouldn't be with him. Mm. I got slapped in the face. I got kicked. I got yelled. I got choked. I got all of those things. And I knew after that last fight, like you, I said, yeah. he's going to kill me. Mm. But even though I left, a part of you still loves that person. Oh, God, yes. Oh, that's a mental thing in itself. Yeah, that's the father you, of my children. Come on now. That's all I'm saying. It's right. not easy to leave that. It's not. Mm. No. no matter what anybody said. No. And, you know, when I called my mother <clears throat> and said, um, this all happened, you know, she said to me, I taught you to be stronger than that. And I never went to my mother again. It hurt. It hurt. Because I was like, okay, so not only are you judging me, <laughs> Not only are you judging me, but you're telling me that I'm weak and useless. Right. You know. Right, right. Even though that's not what she was saying. What she was saying, right. But that's what you heard. Right. You heard that. Well, just imagine my mom, my ex-husband, before the abusive relationship I had to leave, my ex-husband, we're in the house, he puts the guns to my head, my whole family's in the house. Well, anyway, my mom calls the police. I tell the police, in front of my mom, I don't want to press charges. Oh, no. Oh! Oh, my mom. no. And then, not only that, not only that, the police take him anyway, because they want to give me time to process it. I go down, I don't want to press charges. He gets out of jail, I come pick him up, and then I get in the car. My mom was so, like, she was so worried, she was so frustrated, she was so worried and frustrated, it was just, you know, like, I and, and, and she was like, I, I can't even talk to you. She said, I don't have nothing to say to you. And it hurt me that she felt right. that way. But I don't think she understood where my mental was. Right. You know? Right. Because, I... because she, and see, this is one of the things that I've realized is parenting adults, in my opinion, is so much harder for you. Right. Because, yeah, because my, like, I, you know, I got to get right mm -hmm. in order to be what my children need as adults right you know right. when you when you're you know five six seven eight years old you as an adult know that right you know what's best you know you know what i mean right. but when you are dealing with other adults that are looking to you mm -hmm. for guidance for you know wisdom right and you haven't done the work on yourself are doomed to repeat what you've been taught. What exactly. And that is exactly what we do. And that's where that conditioning comes in. That's where that change comes in. That's where that mindset comes in. Right. All of that stuff comes in. You know what I'm saying? That's where listening to podcasts come in because you have to learn a different way because all we know is one way. Right. We're raised with one way. This is what I do. This is how I treat it. This is how I treat my adult children, my children. You know, this is how, this is how I handle my grandchildren, you know? Right. And you have to learn a new way. And we yeah. have to, as people, we're strong. But we have to learn that when someone's going through something, at that moment, they're so weak. They're so weak and they're so, and you have to kind of pick them up. Right. You know what I'm saying? You want them to be strong right now because I want you to, I'm worried about you. You got to get out of this. This is over with. But it can't be that way. No, no. So you have to like meet them in their need. What is their yes. need at that exact moment? You just need a hug. You don't want to hear me talk? Fine. 
Yes. And I tell people that all the time. They you like they like, oh, Demasha, I need this. I need to talk about this, and and I just listen to them. I just sit there and I listen. Right. And then sometimes I I comment. Other times I just give them a hug, and you know it breaks them down. Because right. they really didn't want to hear what I had to say or what I, what my thoughts were. No, no. And you know what I call that? What do you I call, call it? that your version of my watered down reality. Ah, there we go. Listen, <laughs> just listen, just listen. <laughs> right, that's all. I just want you to listen. I might be, and I might call and be ranting and raving for two hours. Just at the same time, I just need somebody to listen to me. Because a lot of times, we can figure out our own mess right. by talking it out loud and right. having someone say, mm-hmm, oh, okay. Well, yep. mm-hmm. oh, you know, like, yep. you don't need that all the time. You don't, but see, you know, we sisters, so we be, we get with our girls and be like, girl, let me tell you uh-huh. what to do with my hair. I don't know. Oh, you mean no that. good. <laughs>